This morning, I'm excited because we get to finish our series that we've been at the last seven weeks. This is week eight of our His Story series. We've been flying through the Old Testament. I want us to open up God's word, but before, would you mind praying with me? Because my hope is that before we leave our time together, whether here or whether you're at home, I pray that we are all able to experience God's Holy Spirit and leave our time together encouraged and edified. So pray with me. Father, we submit fully to you. You are Lord and in control. And so, God, we ask, have your way as we open up your word. Have your way as we continue to worship you, the king, who has invited us to his table and asked us to commune with him. Father, I pray that we would feel and experience your touch this morning and that we would be changed, that we would hear your voice and know where to go as we leave from this place. We trust you. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So we've been looking at these episodes. Again, there's no way to summarize 39 books of the Old Testament in seven weeks. So we didn't really do good at that. But what we did is we zoomed in and we looked at different themes throughout the Old Testament. So we looked at the first story of Scripture, the creation narrative. That was our first episode. And we looked at how God created us humans in his image. And so not only do we bear his image, but we are also to treat others as his image bearers. So that should change the way that we see ourselves and others. And then we looked at the fall. So a couple chapters in, boom, bad, no bueno. We see how humanity chose to choose what is right and wrong on their own accord rather than with trusting what God has said. We looked at episode three, and that is the promise. God responds to our disobedience rather than with punishment, with a promise. He was actually going to bless us. He was going to bless this man named Abraham, and he was going to bless the entire world through this one's man's family. That's the Israelites. And that blessing is a generational blessing. Then we looked at episode four. We looked at Jacob. There's the little coat. Everyone loves the Jacob's colorful coat. He didn't have it on for too long because he was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold into slavery now in Egypt. But God turned his circumstance. Somehow he made it work for good. God's our redeemer. He does that. And then after that, episode six, uh, five, excuse me, five, 400 years later, Moses is now in Egypt where the people of Israel have moved. Now they're enslaved. And so he is asked by God to lead his people out of the land of Egypt into the land that he had promised Abraham, Canaan, modern day Israel. So he brings the people out. We celebrated the Passover and they were led into the desert, desert. That's episode six, not the promised land yet. And then we see the people grumble. Remember that episode and complain. And so do we. We forget what God has done and instead we turn to complaining and grumbling. It's our human nature. They did it. So do we today, and they were punished for it. So they actually stayed in the desert for 40 more years after they turned to an idol rather than Yahweh, their deliverer. Last week, we had a pretty good uh, speaker. It wasn't me. And uh, she spoke on the heart. Now the people of Israel are in this promised land, and they actually have a kingdom. But we learned that it's not about the outward appearance. God's not as concerned on the outside as much as he is on the inside. He looks at the heart where we look at the outward 
appearance. And you would think that they all sang kumbaya and lived happily ever after, but I'm here to not end necessarily on a good note. This is the way that the Old Testament, the chronology ends, and it's with this last episode, episode eight, that is focused on the exile period. So the people of God are disobedient. In fact, I want to read a verse from Deuteronomy. It's a prophetic verse. Over a thousand years earlier, Moses is telling the people, he's on his way out, and he's telling his people, this is what you need to do to, to basically be blessed by God and live in abundance. And he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 18. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live in increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Let's keep on reading. But... If your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. Moses is saying this over a thousand years before the exile. And what happens is, Israel is taken over first by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians, and they're taken away from this promised land. Why? Because of their sin. And so we see this cycle in the Old Testament where, where God shows up, he creates, he, 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 he does something awesome. And then the people, instead of respond with praise, maybe they do so initially, but it's not long until they turn to disobedience. And I have this little circle, this pattern that we see continually in the Old Testament. There's disobedience, and then that leads to oppression. So think about the Israelites were brought out of Egypt into the desert, so, so, uh, and then disobedience happened, and then they were oppressed. 40 more years, they had to wander around in the desert. And then after oppression, the people finally turned back to God and say, all right, God, you're right. We really messed this up. We're, eyes are on you again. And so they repent and that leads, God is faithful to deliverance. But it doesn't just stop there, it, it keeps on going. And, and we see this over and over and over. And if there was one verse that summarized the entire Old Testament, according to me, which is not saying much, but I wanna read it anyway. It's actually not in the Old Testament, it's in the New. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. It says that if we are unfaithful, he, meaning God, remains faithful faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. The good news in the Old Testament is that God is faithful, that God is who he was in the beginning all the way through to, to who he is today and will be forever in eternity. God is faithful. And as we focus on this last episode, I implore us today, no matter what we may be going through, that we keep our eyes focused on God, that we look to God. Because when the people were exiled, they were there for quite a while. And, and, and then God was faithful. So Ezra, Nehemiah, in, in that category, all the prophets, most of the prophets, minor and major prophets, they're really in this exile period. And then God sends Ezra and Nehemiah and, and, and this cool guy named Zerubbabel to actually go back to 
the promised land. And, and he uses a Persian king named Cyrus. Awesome story. And he brings them back into the promised land and they're on their way back to the house of the Lord focused on God. It's important because this, given the last episode in the Old Testament, perfectly sets us up to the coming of Jesus. And we discussed a verse at the beginning of this year. What a year it's been, eh? In Micah chapter four, verse two, it was our theme verse for the year. And our theme was, let's go. And it's this verse in Micah. It says, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. Anybody here when the year started, people saying the year of 2020, clarity, vision, 2020 vision. Remember that? Looks like a lot more people need glasses than me because no one saw 2020 coming. I mean, there were a lot of great people filled with the spirit of God. No idea what was gonna happen in 2020. And let me just say something and declare something. We don't know what's gonna happen in the rest of 2020. And that can look scary and make us feel unsettled. But this was what God laid on our hearts as a church to follow after. We're not asking people to follow us. We're looking to God to lead us. And when our eyes are focused on God, no matter what may be going on around, we're good. We're good. And so as we look at these exiles who are now going back to the land that God had promised them, I want to look at this psalm. And the psalm has three truths that we can hold on today, no matter what our circumstance may be, and know that God is faithful. He is faithful. Psalm about 120 through 134, they're called the Psalms of Ascent. And these were used for ceremonial times. So when uh, the people celebrated Passover, they would all actually go to Jerusalem to be physically together and celebrate Passover. So a lot of pilgrimage happening, a lot of movement. And they would sing these Psalms as they were going up to prepare going up to the house of the Lord, to, to meet with the very presence of God. And then in the exile period, they sang these same psalms on their way back up to the promised land. And I want us to look at this psalm. As we go into the unknown for the rest of 2020 and close out this chapter in the Old Testament and then enter into a new series that we're gonna start in a couple of weeks that, are, that is going to set us up for the rest of 2020 as one body called Cypress Creek Church. And this Psalm is 121. I wanna read it all and then I wanna highlight these three truths. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. We're all looking at something. 
We're all looking down to our phones. Man, my favorite uh, line from last week was, we need to uh, turn to the throne instead of our phones. Come on, that'll preach. That's pretty good. But, but we look things up on our phones. We look to Google to answer us. We, we look to the people around us for help. We, we look to see what they're doing to kind of mimic and know how to navigate this crazy times. And, and then sometimes we just have tunnel vision and whatever we think our goal is, we, we fix on that. And then we're just tunneled in and we will do whatever we can, it to get there by our own strength. And what happens is we totally avoid the message of this song because our help doesn't come from the hills, from what's ahead. Our help comes from the Lord. So let's look at these three truths that we have. The first one is, is that the Lord, he is your helper. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? So when the psalmist wrote this psalm, he's either talking to the hills as, as a, a, you know, that tunnel vision, I'm, I'm going there and I'm just gonna make it, that's Jerusalem or whatever other hill in the hill country of Judea, which is a hill country just like ours. Or you're looking at the hills because you're, you're, you're bracing yourself from an attack that's coming from the hills. And where does our help come from? Not not from up there. It comes from the Lord. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, I think this has to be the very first step that we need to take. We need to be the first people to be willing to say, man, I need help. I, I, I need to reach out to somebody. It may be hard because you got to get through that stone wall inside called our ego to ask for help. Guys, probably a little harder for us than, than women, but I know some pretty strong women, and so I know that it's hard for women too. It's hard for us to ask for help. But if we don't ask the Lord for help, then we're really leaning on ourselves and on our own strength. And this psalm is reminding us that the Lord is our helper. My life changed in 1996 because my dad chose to ask for help. He was not okay. He was going through some stuff and, and he, he voiced out loud and said, I need help. And that's actually what moved us from Mexico City to Miami, Florida. And he started uh, rehab in a 12-step program that radically changed his life. But not only that, radically changed mine forever. And not only that, it radically changed my kids' lives. And not only that, but it radically changed my kids' 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 lives. Because when we are willing to submit and humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, I can't do this on our own, and say we need help, that's generational. That blesses the generations. And see, sometimes we wait to hit rock bottom to ask for help, but the good news is we don't need to hit rock bottom. If you have a Small problem in your eyes, man, those small problems, if we don't reach out, they stack up, don't they? So we can just ask for help. And it's as easy as, Lord, I'm acknowledging that I don't have the solution. My dad ended up bringing me to a bunch of AA meetings as a seven and eight, nine-year-old. I was the only kid there. But I'm glad he did because I was, I was uh, a witness to the amazing radical life changed that happened in that room day after day because people were willing to acknowledge that they have a problem 
and acknowledge that they don't have the solution. And in CR, Celebrate 12-Step Program, you're led by our very own Bob Moss, incredible program. You get a little white chip the first time. It's the first step, and it's acknowledging that you need help. It's acknowledging that you don't have what it takes. And so, Lord, he is our helper. The second truth is that the Lord is our maker. He made heaven and earth. He made everything, everything. Have you ever had any issues with something that you've bought recently and you've called customer service and you've been on the line for like 45 minutes and, and, you, and you, you ask to somebody and, and they tell you, yeah, you got to return it here. And then you go to the store and like, no, did you call customer service for that product? Because we won't, you know, we won't. You just want to talk to someone that helps you solve your issue, whatever it is, lawnmower, carburetor, or if you're going to buy that new Ford Bronco and it, you know, breaks and you sure want that help quickly. What if, what if, we had a lifeline to the guy that actually, or the gal, that made that. And they were able to tell you, yeah, when I made that, this is what, I, this is what was going through my mind. Let me help you. I made it. That'd be pretty nice. Save us a lot of time. You hit zero, all, you know, when you call something and you hit zero just to talk to a human being. What if you press that enough and you actually called the maker of whatever you were asking help from? Wouldn't that be awesome? We have that with the Lord. He made us. He's in control. So we can ask for help for our maker or, or from our maker. Not only that, but we tend to look at everyone around us for help. We, we tend to, to see what others are doing. What ends up happening is we compare ourselves in our situation, in our circumstance, and then we play the little game of, well, at least I'm doing better than they are. Or at least I'm not, you know, doing this. Or ah, that, that's really bad. I'm, I'm not doing that bad. And what happens is that we forget that God is our maker and he created us in his image to give him all the glory with however he made us. And so whenever we confront a problem, let's remember that he is our helper and he is our maker. And last, he is our keeper says it six times. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You think that's saying the truth? Six repetitions of this word, keeper. And let's, let's dig in a little bit because he says that your foot will not be moved and he keeps you will not slumber. What the psalmist is doing is he's comparing to other ancient Sumerian little G-O-D-S, other little G-gods. And he's saying, those gods sleep. You need to do this, you know, hocus pocus and, and that to wake these little G-O-Ds, but you don't need to do this to wake my God because he ain't asleep. He doesn't slumber. He's omnipresent and omnipotent. All we have to do is say, Lord, and he answers. God is our keeper. The Lord is your keeper. He is your shade on your right hand. Shade protects us. If you're here, we're glad that we're not lo no longer out there in the sun because it hurts and it's hot and you sweat. We're in here. The shade protects us. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life, keep you, keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. If you've had 
two conversations with me, you probably know that I love soccer. Best sport in the world, hands down. No argument, not wasting my time. At least that's what the world says, maybe not America. But the MLS is back, I know I'm, me and my brother are the only ones watching it, but that's beyond the point. The goalie is called the keeper. And if you know anything about soccer, the goalie's the one that keeps the ball from going into the net so the, op- the opposing team doesn't score. So if you don't score, you don't win. Some say, yeah, well, soccer, you can tie, 0-0, lame. Yeah, but it can still be a great game. You just got to appreciate the game for what it is. Anyway, it's like chess. Okay, so sophisticated and intelligent. So when, when, when the keeper blocks the goal, he's keeping that ball from going in. When I was a sophomore in college, you know those cheesy Christian bumper stickers that maybe some of us have, maybe some of us don't? I got one, and it was a goalie fully extended, and that goalie was Jesus. And on the bottom it said, Jesus saves. See, he saves. He saved us. He keeps us. He keeps us from our... For when we go out and when we come in, when we forget that is, is when we start to take control of what's going on. When we, when we start focusing not on God, when we, when we lose sight of who he is and who we are in his eyes, and we start looking around or we start looking down or we look up at something else or we get stuck doing what we're doing. And my message this morning is very clear. Let's look to God. I don't know what... This is August 2nd. I don't know what September is going to look like. I don't know what October, November, December, January is going to look like. But you know what I do know is that we can look on God who never changes. He's in control. He is our maker. He is our helper. And he is our keeper. So let's hold on to that. I want to close with Hebrews chapter 12. Kids, if you went to kids camp, you know this verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter. Some tra- another translation says, the author and, and the finisher of our faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is our Lord. That is who we get to fix our eyes on. And so this morning, I don't know where your eyes are fixed. I don't know what is taking your attention or, or where maybe the distractions around you may be, may be taking you. But I want to finish this morning by singing a song. And, and where you're at in your living room or here, quiet your spirit and, and ask, Lord, where, where am I looking? Where am I looking? And allow him to just minister to you. And, and, and before we leave our time this morning, let's not waste the opportunity, this opportunity that we have to experience the peace that can only come from our heavenly father, who is our maker, who is our helper, who is our keeper. And so I wanna play a little, a, little, a little song worship team. If you guys wanna come back up, some of you know it, some of you don't. you're sitting in your seat, maybe with your head bowed, however you feel comfortable. Let's pray. And Father, we pray that right now our eyes 
would be focused on you, that you would label anything that may be distracting us, that you would disclose those things that we may be looking towards instead of fixing our eyes on you, Jesus. We don't know what tomorrow will look like, but you do. And so we ask that as we set our eyes on you, you may give us the peace and the strength and the wisdom to move forward. In Jesus' name.